You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Legends of Runeterra. This episode is supported by listeners like you. To become a supporter of Legends Cast, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. I am one of your hosts from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I go by the lift, but my name is Mark, and with me tonight is my ever-faithful and legendary co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Ready to talk about uh, some Runeterra stuff. You know, I played a lot of different things this week. So it's like going to be hard for me to stay contained to our topic for tonight. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I've played a little bit of our of the, the topic of our conversation, too. So, um, yeah, it's been a good week for Runeterra for me. I've got the uh, level 12 chest, you know, uh, and uh, almost 13, but uh, I didn't feel like grinding for 13. But uh, then I proceeded to not pull any epics or champions in it. Uh, so... Bummer, man. Besides the guaranteed champion. <laughs> Bummer, man. Uh, but that 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 at this point is like serving to feed my amusement because, you know, I can keep the joke running. So you just want to see how long you can bad. go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I played a lot this week. I did not play a lot of different stuff, though. I played a lot of our subject for tonight. So, spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about Nautilus. That's our champion spotlight for this episode. And um, these kind of like five episodes initially is going to be sort of like new player stuff and, and champion spotlight stuff. Um, but also kind of like some deck spotlights because we are going to look at, you know, now it's sort of materializing already after week one, what some of these newest champions, what decks they fit into. But I played a, uh, I played a lot of the Nautilus deep deck and I played a lot of just messing around with Senjuani Ash still. Um, although I did sort of give up on that about halfway through the week. And then I began experimenting because I had, I think, three expedition tickets or tokens. So um, I began running some expeditions. I can I can talk about that briefly to, for this show for sure. Um, but uh, I opened, I got to 13. And only because I went to Noxus, which I had not really leveled up since, I think I, I, think I got it to like level six or something like that. And when you get the 50% bonus experience, it doesn't just give you 50% bonus experience leveling up the, the skill line that you're on. It also gives you 50% bonus experience towards your chest each time. Um, so that's kind of cool. I don't know if they meant for it to happen that way, but I was getting 50% bonus experience towards my chest and 50% bonus experience. So that got me to level 13 and I did get my guaranteed champion and I got a Katarina as well. So, but that's par for the course. I get champions. DBN does yeah. not. I do not. But you got two ashes this past week, right? Well, so did everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, but you didn't have ash. That's true. And that was quite that was kind of nice too because I went ahead and used the went the route of leveling up the factions that I had not gotten to level eight yet mm -hmm. the champion capsules, um, and so I went ahead and uh, grinded all the other factions to eight that I hadn't done yet, including Freljord. So I picked up an Ash from that one. Oh, nice! And then picked up the two Ash, and I have a play set of Ashes where, like, I don't know, three days ago I didn't. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, she's super fun. My Ash. I haven't played her yet, actually. Really? Well, you got to mess around with her. She's she's a tremendous amount of fun. So everybody this week got the uh the daily login rewards that met, that finished off with um the Ash 
deck. So you got two copies of Ash and like a full, a full pre-made deck. And if you already owned Ash, it gave you two champions, which like was random ones. which random ones, which I thought it was going to give you shards. I thought that's what they originally said. They like in their original patch, they said like you're going to get these ashes mm -hmm. if you already have them. You will be rewarded with shards, and it's not going to show that but you are going to get them. It does work correctly. But then whenever I got my two ashes, they transformed into a Quinn and my third TF. So now I have my well, I mean, place at a I TF. It's probably more fun to get random ones. <laughs> well, I think so too. I, I wasn't upset by it. I think that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's obviously more valuable because you probably would have only gotten a fraction of what a champion is actually worth if you got it in shards, right? I think the shards that you get from dusting something is what, like a fourth or a sixth or something of what it costs to make it. I, I don't even know. I would know more if it was like Hearthstone or something when you could actually dust something, but because you can't dust it, I don't even pay attention to, you know, the amount of shards that you get for something that you already have three copies of, um, which is basically every one of my weekly chests right now is just a whole bunch of shards. Uh, <laughs> because most of my stuff gets transformed i did uh i did finish out i'm now working my way up frail yard so i got uh i got bilge water up to level eight to get my champion out of that mm -hmm. i got uh noxus up to level 12 because that's when the bonus xp stops and all of my others were sitting at 20 so i'm now working frail yard up because i really want that sweet sweet frail yard card back card back yeah oh, yeah yes i really want the frail yard card um, now, have you been having experience issues? Have you been having like weird experience stuff going on? I think like sometimes it displays it incorrectly, but I don't think I've ever been like shorted experience because I, I saw that you post in the discord and said, hey, be careful about your quest, um, you know, today. And I ended up inadvertently completing it. <laughs> OK, but I still got my I still got my experience, though. Uh, but there's definitely issues when it comes to like it, it's saying, oh, but you earned extra experience, but then it calculates it wrong. Yeah. Like there's there's some some issue there. And I haven't looked at it so close that I understand where the issue is. Um, but I haven't been shorted XP. Yeah. So I completed a quest this week and did not get any experience for it. Um, and it was it was super weird because it completed the quest and it actually showed my bars go up. But then. I didn't actually unlock stuff. So my bars are further than where I'm at. And my frail yard one actually is, is not as far as where it is. So like I actually unlocked something in frail yard. And if you click on it, it says you're at 3000 out of 3000 experience for that, whatever that next notch is that, that I was getting. But when you look at the green bar, it's only halfway there. So the, <laughs> the green bar hasn't reached it and there's still a locked symbol because the green bar never got there to trigger it to unlock, but That's it did unlock funny. and I did open it and it is showing that the experience. So they're having a lot of sort of like in all of my experience appears wrong. Like when I complete a quest, it'll come up and be like, your bonus experience is like mm, 1500 and yeah just from like getting your daily win and then it will only it still gives me the normal amount of experience for the daily win like it'll give me 400 and then or what is it 400 200 100 or whatever um sure but it shows like double to triple and then i had a random one today for some reason where i did a uh i was doing an expedition and i got a win and instead of giving me 100 experience it randomly gave me 250 for no apparent reason which was super strange 
And then, and then the even weirder thing is, is so there's a certain amount of bonus experience that you will get up to level 12, right? You get 50% bonus experience up to level 12 in a faction that isn't Bilgewater right now. So I was doing that in Nautilus. But when I went from level 11 to level 12, it hit that mark and then stopped giving me bonus experience. So my experience is like 1,233 in, in Noxus right now. Like, it's like some odd number because the way that the percentages worked out at the point that it stopped giving me the bonus experience because I hit level 12 and went beyond it. So like a portion of the experience that I gained was getting 50% bonus. And then a portion that I gained was not getting 50% bonus. So my mm, Nautilus line, I know uh, my <laughs> Nautilus line in my, my chest line right now has like a weird number. So there, there, there's some experience weirdness going on right now. Um, and we had a couple people in the discord who did say that they also lost out on experience from quests this week. So I wasn't alone in that. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had any issues, but, uh, you know, it also doesn't give me epics or champions. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the issue that you have never getting That's any epics issue. or champions. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, man, what have you been playing this week? You said you've been playing sort of a wide variety of stuff. So I'm curious because you've explored outside of the Swain, um, the, the Swain Trench that you've, I'm going to call it the Swain Trench. You've been stuck Swain, in Swain. That seems right. He's a general. He's an army guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's you in know. a trench. They build trenches, right? Absolutely. Um, they do. Right. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. So I did. So first off, um, I did post up uh, not one, but two videos uh, since we last spoke. Nice. Um, one of them was a Swain video, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, the other one was probably my favorite deck so far, um, which actually is um, a Freljord Bilgewater midrange list uh, that runs uh, Sejuani and Twisted Fate and a, just a little bit of the kind of uh, some of the plunder cards that generate more cards, but not all of them. Um and uh, Ember Maidens uh, to kind of control the early aggro. Basically, I built it with the idea of like I want to be able to win any matchup. I think the deck doesn't have a like crazy high win rate against any one matchup versus another, but it it has the ability if piloted correctly, you know, with correct draw, you know, if you draw well, um, I think to be able to beat potentially anything, um. You know, and, and that was the idea. Now, I think that there is a, a few exceptions. I think if a, like a Ezreal deck draws stupid well in the first couple turns, it can be a little bit hard to press, you know, the advantage there. Um, but uh, besides that, I mean, it's it's handled a lot of different types of decks quite well. And it's also just fun to play because it feels very, uh, maybe I'm just imagining it because it's mid-range, but it feels very like mid-Battle Mage from Tessel. Um, it even down to like now I can play a basically like a Skaven Pyromancer, you know. Mm, uh, yes, but uh, but it's called Ember Maiden. So <laughs> uh, and Ember Maiden's become one of my favorite cards of this entire set. So yeah, you've been yep. really loving that card. And then they all they had a uh, there was there was one like that. There was a Pyromancer in um, in Hearthstone as well, right? That damages the whole board. Um, I can't Probably, wild yeah. wild pyromancer, I think. So yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. it's kind of similar to that as well. Yeah, when you play mm -hmm. a spell, it would deal it one damage to the entire board, including itself. Ember Maiden is kind of similar to to that card to a certain extent. Not you yeah, can't combo it, off be, of it quite as well, but 
Well, right. Well, and actually, I mean, because it's on round start, it triggers a lot of it triggers your plunder stuff immediately, uh, which is the cool part. So, like, you know, you'll it'll it'll damage everything on round start, and then the first card you play, it you know can be a plunder card, and it'll have its full effect. Yeah, that's cool. A lot of times you're trying to attack first or use a spell to damage their face first or something in order to maximize the value on your plunder cards, you know, but you don't have to do that here. And, you know, getting to run Citrus Courier as well um, is great. Citrus Courier is a really good and really fun card. So that that one's uh, one's on my YouTube as well as a Freljord Noxus Swain aggro deck, like a self-damage aggro. Very fun. Uh, Of course, I messed with Nautilus, but I'll talk more about that later. Um, I also touched on, um, played some Yasuo, the new stuff. The problem is Yasuo does not have a great matchup into aggro. It can handle it, but you have to draw really well. Mm. And if you start building it to be able to improve the aggro matchup, one, it's not very good anyways. Like if you try to like improve your aggro matchup, you can do some things, but it's rare, very rarely effective enough to flip the, you know, the win percentages. Um, and then, you know, but so, but then you also like degrade heavily your late game. Cause I think in many ways, like Yasuo is the mid range and control killer, at least the way I play it. Mm. Um, and like it, it almost never loses to a mid range or control deck, but it just absolutely falls apart in the face of the really fast, you know, and potentially maybe getting a little too fast Noxus aggro lists that are out there. Yeah. There's some really um, quick ones out there right now. And you just, there's not enough ways to slow them down. You know, mm-hmm. I even put two Herald of Springs in for lack of a better heal option. And they actually did pretty good, uh, Herald of Springs, when I saw them. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just not enough there. So like, I, I stopped playing that, not because I think it's a bad deck. I think it, frankly, it, it feels more like a tournament deck to me than a ladder deck because of its, you know, it's kind of the opposite of my mid-range Sejuani um Twisted Fate deck, which wants, to, which feels like it can potentially beat anything. This feels like it's really good against, you know, two types of decks and falls apart against a third. That to me screams more like a, a tournament lineup inclusion, you know, in a control heavy meta. Um, and then I played, uh, lastly, the one I played today and built was uh, one of the decks that uh, I think Mogwai was playing with, uh, like early on in the expansion, like not the last week, but uh, which was a, gangplank um swain list and i basically just ripped it off of his youtube video and made a couple small changes to my preference Hmm. Uh, and that's been really fun i crafted three gangplank because after i i drafted him in an expedition run and had so much fun i was like i'm i wow i need to play some gangplank uh so uh i have a gangplank twisted fate list that i i tinkered with and i think there's some there's promise there uh, but then I played this one with uh, with Swain, and and I I've haven't I played only like four games with it, but I haven't lost with it yet, and it's mm. been really really fun playing like Riptide Rex, uh, you know, and and some of those other cool cards, and of course stealing a lot of stuff. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that one for sure. Yeah, I think that Gangplank plays he he actually plays well with a lot of different champions. I think he actually plays really really well with TF. Um, Because there's a lot of things that TF does that Gangplank wants to work with um, or his barrels want to want to work well with. And he can sort of TF just as a way of of getting through your deck. I mean, we talked about him last week a lot, so I don't want to, you know, focus too much on him. But I think he does partner 
with Gangplank really well. I, I haven't been able mm -hmm. to find Gangplank is one of the ones like I started day one playing him and then have not really returned to him yet. Um, mm -hmm. because I, especially because I knew like we were going to talk about Nautilus this week. So I, I spent a lot right. of time playing sea monsters because that's a, I think it's a really strong deck right now. I don't know if it will be a strong deck in the long run, but I think it's a strong deck right now. And, uh, and I really have had fun with it. And I have a tendency to like focus in on a specific deck. Like I don't get into like, I don't boot up a, a card game and, and like, Hmm, what do I really want to be creative with? I'm really bored right now. <laughs> like I will get like that, but oftentimes in a, an expansion, like from one expansion to the next, I do tend to zero in on one specific deck and that because sort of thing that sort of like tickles that, that, that fun thing in my brain. Um, it, it at launch, like the first deck that I find that does that really well. Like I just sort of, mm. I just sort of glue to that. So like Ash mid range was that in the, in the open beta, um, and so far, sort of like Nautilus, uh, Maokai, which is not what I expected, has sort of done that for me um, in, in since the release of the Bilgewater stuff. But I'm open to, to some other things. There's some interesting decks going around. So like Demacia is really strong right now. Just like. Yeah, I could have told you that. Really, really strong. Like, and, and like, like we like remember we talked about Grizzled Ranger and the Loyal Badger Bear. Yep. As and it turns I mean, out, it's anything. really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Wow. It's a big surprise. As it turns out, Scout is very, very good. Um, so there's two versions. There is a solo only Demacia, right? It just runs straight Demacia. It runs Bannermans, and it's like a Demacia Scout deck that just wants to absolutely run you over and, and just builds a, a really powerful board and puts a ton of pressure out. And then there is, which it, it crushes some of the, some of the current decks out there. It just, it just annihilates. And then there is the, um, the, the Bilgewater, um, deck that goes with it that runs mf so it is still mostly demacia but it runs bilgewater because it gets mf in there and she has a way of really plunking away she's actually a really good card as well um and at first i wasn't sure how good she was and the other card that i've noticed it's been a champ in demacia is like the one mana give all of my creatures a toughness for this round um that card is bonkers like you set up all these trades you're like okay i finally have favorable trades i'm gonna clear some of their board and then they just keep their you know half of their board that you were going to clear they get to keep so i think that those decks have been just running around ladder i played a lot of nautilus um and then i played three expeditions right i'm part way through my third one and um here's what happens in expedition you draft nautilus you draft sea monsters you get seven wins that's because your your deck is like literally almost at 15 cards when you start out. Um, because when you draft an expedition deck, you don't draft a full deck. So you draft a deck, you play like two cards that toss stuff and you're already like, it has been often that on turn, like when I first start on turn three, I am at deep. And then on turn four, I drop a four mana seven, seven. I have never not mm. been deep by turn seven when I drop the Nautilus. Which is yeah in in an expedition in expedition it's just crazy yeah. so you just draft as many sea monsters as you can get you draft the nautiluses that you can get and then you win like easy 
easy wins. It's not like they're not even close. I did lose one today who got the Tusk Raider off, which is the thing that doubles the power and health of all the creatures in your deck. Um, he was running a mm -hmm. Teemo Sejuani list in Expedition, which actually is amazing because every time you draw a Mushroom, it triggers Sejuani. So she was leveled up really, really fast because he threw a bunch of Mushrooms in my deck early on. And then once she's leveled up, every turn that I draw a card and it has a Mushroom on it and a Sejuani's on the board, it freezes my entire board. <laughs> like, it, because it just damages you at the beginning of the turn. She's leveled up. She frosts your entire board. She frostbites the entire board. It's pretty crazy. So Sejuani Teemo, I lost to that, but that was like one of the only things that I've lost to an expedition with drafting Nautilus and as many sea monsters as I could get my hands on. So that's the other thing yeah. that I was doing. Having a lot of fun, having a lot of fun in expedition with Nautilus. Um, he's really good there. Yeah, I was thinking about looking at uh, uh, Teemo Sejuani in Constructed too. Um, I think there's something there. I think so. Um, I haven't messed with it yet, though. Um, but I might. I, I have Teemos. Uh, so um, that, that might be something I mess with. I mean, I've got a long list of things I want to mess with. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot to experiment with. That is one thing that I'll definitely say. Like, after week one, there is a tremendous amount to experiment with still. So what's the number one thing on your list? You said you have a list of stuff that you want to mess around with. What is on the top mm -hmm. of your list of something that you haven't played or tried out yet that you really want to? Yeah, I want to build a one-drop deck. A one-drop um, deck? Yeah, a, a deck of uh, one-drops and one-drop synergies. So with like the Jagged Tusk Raider, I think that's what it's called. Um, with and then I want to run it in PNZ uh, and uh, um, Bilgewater with Fizz, uh, and then I want to run Fizz and Timo, and then I want to run the Professor Von Trip or Von Trap or Von whatever, uh, which whenever you summon a one drop, give it plus one, plus one, or plus two, plus two, plus I think. two, plus uh, two. Yeah, and so I want to try that out for sure. Um, so that's on my short list of things to mess with, definitely. Hmm. Okay. The funny thing is it's on the short list of my stuff to mess up with as well, but not, not a one drop version. I want to do team of fizz. Um, but I just want to see kind of how that's going to work out with getting fizz leveled up. And I haven't played a ton of Bilgewater that isn't sea monsters yet. And I think that there's some really cool cards in Bilgewater that like sea monsters is its own separate thing inside of that faction, right? Like when you're playing sea monsters from Bilgewater, that's what you play. You don't play any of the other cool cards that, you know, shoot stuff and blow stuff up and create plunders. So I want to play a Teemo deck because all of those sort of plunder cards work off of your mushrooms as well. And so if they draw a mushroom and it deals a damage to them, it activates all of your plunder cards for you. So I want to play like a heavy plunder team of fizz deck. Cause I want to, you know, be able to make fizz elusive and you can't target him with spells with the one mana put five mushrooms in your opponent's deck. Um, and then you have the elusive. I don't think it's going to be very good, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's the thing that I think is on the top of my list right now um, to experiment with. Um, yeah, well, hey, do you want to go ahead and we can jump into our champion spotlight and uh, and talk a little bit about Nautilus together? Absolutely. Let's okay, do let's do it. Let's jump into our champion spotlight for this episode. The water rises.
Okay, guys, our champion spotlight is, of course, which we've said a thousand times, on Nautilus. So real quickly, if you don't know what Nautilus does, I am going to go over it. it Nautilus is a champion from Bilgewater. It is a seven mana, zero, 12 with tough and fearsome. So, of course, tough means every time it takes damage, it takes one less. And fearsome means it can only be blocked by creatures with three or less power. It says, when I am leveled up, copy tossed allies that cost four or more into your deck. So everything that you toss that costs four or more goes into your deck. And he levels up when you are deep. And of course, deep is you have 15 or less cards in your deck at one point. You can actually add cards to your deck and go above 15 and you will stay deep, which is interesting. Nautilus's leveled up form is a seven mana 13-13 with toughness and fearsome that reads sea monster allies cost for less. So that means all of those sea monsters that you've collected in your deck and then you've taught that you tossed earlier and now you've put back into your deck now are all going to cost four less. It allows you to build an enormous board. And of course, all of those sea monsters have the word deep on them as well, which means they are all going to get a plus three plus three after you are deep. So you're playing four mana seven sevens, you're playing five mana six sixes, elusive draw card. You're playing seven mana, 10 eights, put two treasures in your deck. Like really crazy, ridiculous, incredible cards um, once you go deep and then you get a Nautilus on the board. So obviously Nautilus fits in the Sea Monsters deck, right? I mean, that's where he goes a hundred percent of the time. So you said, uh, DBN, you were playing Nautilus. What has your impressions been of him, what do you think about him as a champion? How does he fit into this game? Um, all right, I'm gonna be uh a little flippant here and uh you know risk being wrong or ignorant about it. Um, but this is genuinely how I feel. Okay. I think Nautilus is terrible. You think he's bad? I think he's really bad. But I think deep is really good. Mm. Um, I like the the thing. The situation here is that Nautilus is so vulnerable to so many things, um, and he's so mana inefficient when he's not leveled up, um, and even when he is leveled up, because he's vulnerable to anything that can clear him, uh, because you just wasted seven mana, and because his effect, he doesn't have a summon effect. The effect that he has is only available while he's on the board. You don't even have enough mana theoretically to play him twice. If he was, uh, you know, like if he was a five drop, right? Mm -hmm. Then at max mana, you'd be able to play him, let him get killed or bounced, and then you could play your second copy or replay him if he got bounced, right? With Will of Ionia. But the problem is because he, uh, because his effect, he doesn't have an effect on summon. Like if he said when I when you play him discount sea monsters right yeah sure uh, or if it says when i level up discount all sea monsters i would be like super on board but because it only is a passive effect while he's on board and because it's because the way the turn economy works where like i play something and then my opponent gets a chance you know to, to respond do something to it to disrupt it i mean i've had him i've had him uh bounced and and vengeanced and ruinated and all sorts of things and the bottom line is after uh, you know after investing such a large one, like, you know, he comes by the time he comes down, you usually are trying to, you know, re like reassert yourself onto the board, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because you've had a lot of mana inefficient plays and you're trying to get deep. And so you're spending mana trying to burn through your deck. Um, and because a lot of the cards you're forced to run aren't like the optimal control tools, um, or at least you can't include as many of the optimal control tools that yes. like Shadow Isles would normally give you, you're running suboptimal ones that can also toss uh, or creatures that can toss that aren't as good as other creatures. Um, you're often trying to win the board back. The problem is if they have but a single thing that can disrupt your Nautilus, um, you're toast. And in and of himself, he's really not that effective, right? The fearsome is nice. He's a great blocker, uh, but he doesn't have overwhelm. Yeah. You know, if he had overwhelm, it'd be a very different situation too. So, you know, you don't really play Nautilus uh, for him. You play him so that you can play your, you know, uh, elusive one or the one that kills something when it comes down or, you know, the different sea monsters that are actually pretty good once they have deep, um, especially the one that kills something that obliterates something that's weaker than it. That thing is really, really good. Yeah, that thing is very strong. It's very strong. That I I think I think that is what anchors the deck. I think that's what makes the deck any realm of playable, um, because I think without that, there's just there's no payoff. You know, that isn't uh, a super late game effect, right, because. um like you have a lot of these deep things that are just so ineffective for so much of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, and I've played, I've been like tinkering with this quite a bit. I early on, I think like the first couple days uh, of the expansion uh, or really no. Okay. I take that back like uh, over the weekend. So I guess that was like day four or five of the expansion. Right. Um, so like Saturday, I played this, I built the deck. I kind of just like, the thing is, it kind of builds itself in many ways. Like, you know, the core cards that need to go in it. And sure. then it's just about switching numbers in and out. Um, but I built, a, I put Twisted Fate in because I didn't want to craft Maokai. And I stand by Maokai not really being necessary in this deck. Um, most of the time, I'll see a lot of solo Nautilus. But Twisted Fate is just so stupid good at controlling aggro, which is all I was running into. Mm -hmm. um, that I, I put three Twisted Fate in. Uh, and I didn't regret it. Twisted Fate was never the problem. Twisted Fate is never the problem in any deck. Um, <laughs> no, Twisted Fate <laughs> is very good. Uh, and what ended up happening was I stomped a couple people and kind of wasn't really paying attention because I was like working on other things, and I got this quick perception, wow, this deck's really strong. Uh, and then, you know, over, you know, the weekend and later into the week, I started playing it and losing and losing and losing and losing and against a wide range of, of decks. Hmm. Um, and it always came down to the fact that a, the different card packages that you're forced to include to make the deep effect payoff, right. Um, aren't don't mesh well. And they're inconsistent with the type of matchup you're playing against. So you you can hit your you know thorny toad tree looking thing. You can oh, yeah. hit the 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 three mana toss three that with life steal. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and you could hit those in your aggro matchup, and then you're really happy. Or you could hit a whole slew of sea monsters that really are you know below average, um, cost effective stats. You know, you know, really pricey. Um, and you're not able to defend yourself. On the flip side, you could run into all of those, you know, early game, you know, stuff against a control deck that isn't gonna isn't gonna care about them, mm -hmm. right? And so it, it there's just this this massive situation where you can totally draw the wrong half of your deck for the wrong matchup, which is which is definitely something like there's been very successful decks in other games that that do that, right? 
but there's not that cohesive the cohesivity is that a word sure um, well, it is now packages. All, it is on this show cohesivity yeah, but cohesivity uh mm -hmm. the packages just don't blend well they don't transition well into each other it just feels very clunky and the games that you win you blow out right oh yeah it feels like you blow them out because they had a worse draw than you or maybe really even were making bad plays because <laughs> uh, the games i won i was like okay why are they doing that well okay great it gave me time to stomp you know, a big, you know, sea monster that I shouldn't have had the time to play because I should have needed to use my mana to control their tempo, you know? And, and so like, and, and even when you get to the end of the game, like what are all those sea monsters really going to do? Cohesion. There you go, Mary. Uh, cohesion. Uh, but uh, not like ours the end of the game and cohesivity. <laughs> cohesivity. <yeah. laughs> uh, but you get to the end of the game and you're looking at it and you're like, well, okay, Ezreal Karma can basically win the game at about the same time more consistently and can actually beat this one um yeah. at least in my experience you know um and so like why like my whole thing when i play a deck and i love playing off meta i love building off meta is this deck it doesn't need to be better than other decks but it needs to do something better otherwise sure. don't play it like that's my deck building rule if this can't do something better than everything else you know um or then at least do something better than the type of deck that it wants to play like like the the uh the like the deck archetype like you know aggro or or mid-range or control or combo if it can't hold up hold itself up to its contemporaries as saying like i can do this better than you even though you may be more consistent or you may be more well-rounded or you may have better matchups into the popular thing if you build a deck and you look at its you know contemporaries and say wow mine is just an inferior version of x then there's no point in playing it and i'm not saying that's where deep is but i i do I do feel it's falling into that. It's this late game strategy, you know, that requires so much commitment to in your deck building um, that you're putting bad cards in, you know, uh, and you're end up waste some, uh, sometimes you're even wasting like uh, cards in hand. You're getting this hand chock full of sea monsters. If you, you know, play some of those jaw guys, uh, um, chasers, hunters, whatever. Oh yeah. 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 You know, mm -hmm. You're getting all these sea monsters and you're like, well, great. If I somehow, like if I toss my, uh, lore of the deep or whatever that thing is, if I accidentally, you know, if I accidentally yeah. quote unquote, if I, un, you know, toss which that, I've had times deck, where I've you can't control toss like two of them on turn one. Right. Then, then like you, you're never going to get all those things out of your hand, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just, it feels so clunky. Um, and I think Nautilus really is the problem because Nautilus is not doing what a champion that is anchoring heh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is anchoring a strategy is supposed to do, which is to you know pull everything up, right? Uh, instead, what Nautilus is doing in many ways is it's I feel like it's 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 in theme dragging it down because you feel like you have to play it, but it's almost you almost never have the time to play it, and if you do have the time to play it, you're usually winning the game anyways. So, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you see Nautilus in these deep decks as a one of, not a three of, where you play it, but you only play him for his level up ability, right? Where he shuffles in all creatures that you have tossed with that cost four or more back into your decks. So you're basically saying, listen, I'm going to play sea monsters and and removal and stuff to control the game my sea monsters are going to win me the game once i go deep if this gets long and grindy or if i had you know if it gets long and grindy and, and i you're clearing my stuff i can play a nautilus and refill my deck with 
with yeah. big sea monsters. So he's not actually I, a I three of. That. I could see that. And again, you know, I want to preface this by saying, like, I have put, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many games I've put onto this. I'm going to guess, like, 15-ish games. So it's not like I've I've played it more than other people. But, yeah. like, I do feel like I have a good appreciation for, um, you know, reading how a strategy is working out and kind of getting an idea of, you know, wrapping my head around strategies pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've played against it a lot. And I, I, I got to be honest, I don't, I have not lost to it, uh, but a cup, but a handful of times, you know, and when I do lose to it, it is usually because my deck crapped out, you know, mm. it's not because it's either because I'm playing something really experimental and it wasn't working the way I wanted it to work. And I, you know, or when something where you just get those dead draws and you're giving them time, but against any deck that hit how it averagely would hit, um, I, I have not. I've not had a hard time with with a Nautilus deep deck yet playing a deck that is hitting the way it's intended to. Um, and so to me, that just screams that it's not effective. And I blame Nautilus for that because he doesn't do anything upon entry. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, that's the thing that most of the, you know, some of the best champions do something when they come in. Um, and it's the same complaint I have in many ways about Vlad, right? Um, Vlad, he doesn't do anything when he comes in. You know, um, yeah, okay, he's he's a little overstated, um, but he also is super reliant on already having a board. There's just too many, you know, ifs and buts attached to his effectiveness. Yeah, and that's how I feel really about Nautilus. Well. Right, and Nautilus kind of has the what Vlad doesn't have. Nautilus just gets punished by so many things that are, are already really, you know, played a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Will of Ioni is played a lot. Oh yes, that card's everywhere. Uh, Vengeance is played a lot. So, like, you're running him into things that you know are going to be there. I mean, I played a game today where I'm like, well, okay. Because uh, I was doing some extra testing before this. I really kind of want to see if maybe I'd had a bad string of luck. And I played a handful more games and just struggled with it. And it, it was the situation where, and I, by the way, I didn't just play the same deck all the time. I tinkered with making it a little more controly and a little less trying to go deep as fast. I tinkered with it trying to go deep as fast as possible. Like, I've played this in, like, three or four different kind of brands uh, and still haven't been happy with it. Mm. So I so have now had, that I'm done ranting about it. <laughs> sure. Well, here's the thing. I don't actually disagree. I didn't really think of that, right? But I it's so funny because I played it and I was like, you know what? I want I played Maokai, Nautilus, and I was like, I really want to play three of each. And then I was like, you know what? I don't think Maokai's a three of. And so I I removed two of them and um I left three Nautilus as one Maokai. But now I'm kind of like, you know what? I do kind of see that. Like I really only want to play Nautilus at seven mana to refill my deck whenever i need my deck refilled right because i'm not going to hopefully keep tossing my sea monsters after i've refilled my deck one time and the only i would actually rather have his harp his his spell in my deck because oftentimes with two nautiluses in my hand i'm actually more happy that i have that spell in my hand to throw something back in their deck yeah the anchor Uh, the anchor is 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 pretty cool to to just get rid of something and throw something back in their deck so i will say this so i have had a lot of luck with this and i've had a very different experience so this has been a very popular deck i was playing sejuani ash for a good portion of the week i switched over to deep over the weekend um so i played a lot of sejuani ash over the beginning in Sejuani Ash, what it wants to do is it wants to win the game by building a massive buffs on your creatures. You want to keep buffing your deck. Then you want to frost shock stuff 
to be able to attack and win the game. Um, what I found was is that this deck was actually just better at that strategy, controlling the early game, throwing big boys down in the late game, and then winning within one turn. It was just better at doing that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I ever beat this deck with Ash Sejuani. Now, that being said, I had a bad string of luck this week, and I never, I hardly, I almost always drew Sejuani almost never drew Ash. And Ash would actually be super good against sea monsters because they wouldn't be able to block you. You would just be able to level mm -hmm. her up, frost all of them, and then they, they couldn't block you. But what I found is usually they were able to do that before I was able to get Ash leveled up. So they were able to go deep before I could get Ash leveled up and be able to just swing and just decimate me. So I actually swapped over to this and I took it to the ranked ladder. I actually talked to Silverfuse this week and she's like, I was like, what's good? And she said, Quinn MF is the deck. And I said, okay, um, well, I don't have Quinn. She said, well, Deep is really good as well. It's a good climbing deck right now. And I said, okay, well, I'll climb with it. So I did. I climbed from bronze um, up towards the top of the uh, top of silver over the course of the weekend with this. And I won the lion's share of my games. Now I'm playing a slightly sneakier version of this, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I am playing a lot of life game towards the beginning of the game. I'm running three Grasp of the Undyings in Me order too. to remove stuff because I just found that card to be really necessary. Basically, does it say gain life? I want it in my deck. And I, I think that you have to play this with, uh, you almost have, you almost cannot swap factions with this. Like it almost has to be Shadow Isles Bilgewater because uh, Shadow Isles has the sea monster that puts treasures in your deck, I believe. Um, I'm like 90% sure on that. We're gonna go look uh, at it yeah, really quick. You're talking about the you're talking about the one the ship order. Yeah, the yeah, ship order. A, I think that's Bilgewater. Uh, okay, I thought it was I thought it was Shadow Isles. I'm sorry. There no, that's is the that's the eight cost one that uh, gives all your monsters fearsome. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. Well, there, but there's there's a lot of toss cards in yeah. Shadow Isles that you, you need. You kind of need it. The three two with life steal, the one four that tosses two and heals you two whenever it dies. Like there's there's some early game there. And I've played a decent amount of the early game. The other card that I found that was actually pretty good was the uh was the two mana one two with a tune that adds a one cost spell to your hand. Because sometimes it adds a jettison to your hand that lets you toss four. Um, which has been pretty strong for me. So I sort of snuck that in. So I've actually had a good bit of luck with it, but I agree. Most of that luck did not come about because I had Nautilus in play. Most of that was because my other sea monsters, like my four mana seven, seven was just, you know, and there's a lot of board centric decks right now, to be honest with you. Like a lot of what I've run into are sort of aggressive strategy board centric stuff in this deck gets hot trashed by the really aggressive uh noxus aggro deck i mean it just gets mm. crushed by it because of two new cards the two mana two three deal a damage to something to deal two damage to the enemy nexus that card yeah. crushes you and the deal three to an ally to deal three damage to the enemy nexus which they oftentimes do to a two mana three one with a death rattle that does two damage to the enemy nexus so they just sack it and deal five to you um 
you can you can actually level the board out against some of those Noxus decks, but the Noxus deck just doesn't care. Like it has enough reach now with the new Noxus spells that it can it can finish you off after you've grabbed board off of it. Um, that just seems like how it, how that new Noxus deck plays is just. And I've actually seen like championless versions that are super super strong um, of that aggro list. I don't even think it needs Jinx Draven. It can run without them and uh and be able to do a tremendous amount of damage very very quickly so my experience has been different i don't disagree with you though i'm not sure that nautilus is what makes this deep deck work i think it's yeah it's that it's that seven mana what is it uh eight five or whatever that puts two treasures in your deck those treasures are incredible yeah i mean just insane like they're just finishing tools right it either five mana clear the board Deal five to everything. It is a five, except your creatures, because all your creatures are bigger than five. A five mana add five cards to your hand. They all cost zero and they're fleeting, which is crazy. I got a zero mana true shot barrage the other day that I won with. Um, mm -hmm. Or a or a five mana summon three eight eights with fearsome. Like, yeah, no, the, the treasures are are really really good and in many ways like kind of a payoff but here's the problem right like you're spending your toss cards early to get deep right the issue with the shipwreck order is it's seven mana right so you know in, in appreciable amount of matchups where they're aggro or they're more aggressive than you say a mid-range deck and, and you know they figure out okay crap like Eventually, they're going to hit this, whether it's quickly or not quickly, they're going to hit this breaking point where all of their things are ridiculously statted. I need to be aggressive here. I need to end the game before that happens, right? In, in those matchups, the Shipwreck Quarter doesn't do much for you because it's so expensive. It sits in your hand, and it sits, and it sits, and it sits. And True. the problem is, like, the problem with this deck is that like you're, you're faced with decisions of, I have to play, I'm playing one card a turn. In you know, in in many cases, I'm playing one card, and then I'm playing one card, and then I'm playing one card. And if they can trick that card and build a wider board than you, you can't like it's so hard for you to come back unless you hit like the the keel hall breaker thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it even has me wondering like, does ruination go in here? You know, because it might um, sure, because it might because the the issue that I I can constantly have is and by the way, um, while we're at this, uh. Tricking trades has never been more popular, especially oh with Demacia, which yes. has all these new things that add tough to things. I mean, I am so if I run into another Fiora Zed deck with standalone, I'm going to lose it. Oh, that was the opening um, flavor. Yep, that was it. I I absolutely, I absolutely despise standalone. And you know why? Because it's burst. That card is too good and too mana efficient and can come online too early in the game to be burst that oh, thing has got to be slow it has to be slow that card is bonkers right now because because you need to be able to you need to be able to burst down whatever that thing is especially if you have if you can do it mana inefficiently like there's a lot of situations where i'm looking at that fiora and like the the learning curve right of playing against that deck goes oh it's fiora uh, crap, like, I know that thing's gonna get out of, or Zed, Fiora, or Zed, I know that thing's gonna get out of control, better, you know, play my, uh, removal and kill it, and then they play standalone, which is a burst, because your removal is fast, and their things burst, they go off, you just wasted not only your removal, because you didn't kill it, uh, two, they, their thing is still around, 
Um, and you have no mana. And that buff is still on their attack. And now you're out of mana. You didn't put anything on board. And then it comes around to their turn. And you, you the, the next progression is, okay, I've learned. I'll, I'll damage it. They'll buff it. But then I can damage them again. Well, the problem is they'll just play another buff. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the attack of the, that unit skyrockets. And in the case of Zed, you can't block enough things because you, you didn't put creatures down. You tried to kill it. But if you put creatures down, they'll just trade into it with quick attack or challenge. That thing is a disaster. And if there's anything that makes me mad about this game right now, it's that standalone is a huge problem that's like detracting from the enjoyment of playing some of these newer, you know, abilities and new, newer cards that frankly just can't compete. Now, not everything. You know, I played actually a really fun gangplank um, deck, which uh, because of the ability for those kegs to kind of stack up, um, I was able to kind of wipe out their board with like a big Death Lotus play and mm. able to stabilize. Oh, I mean, that's really cool. Gotta... That Death Lotus with the with the barrels. That's a really cool mm-hmm. implementation because that's the first time I saw Death Lotus actually be effective. But with the barrels, yeah. it's <laughs> awesome, dude. I saw a couple really games fun. go off like that. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And so I think like oh, not I'm not trying to say that there's no ways to play around it. And I'm not really not like I mean, there's totally ways to play around it. It's just a matter of like because it comes on line so efficiently because Fiora and Zed both being three mana, both being um, extremely good recipients of the buff oh, basically yeah. means it doesn't matter which one you find. They're both excellent. Um, and so like you, you just never can get rid of it. But I mean, even outside of those decks, like you're looking at decks that are running a lot of um, that barrier that also gives life steal, which for some reason I can never remember the name of that card. Um, you're looking at these new uh, kind of Demacia uh, I've seen a couple of these Allegiance Demacia decks, but also some of the ones um, that are running a lot of the scout packages yep. mm-hmm. uh, with Bilgewater. Um, and I've seen some of these Ranger, I think it's called Ranger's Resolve or Ranger something that gives tough to everything. I mean, that That's massively really disrupts. Yeah, it massively disrupts your trading potential. And so kind of bringing it back to deep, when you're playing these big, chunky threats, even if they're, you know, above average stats, or even like, let's say you get your, was it, is it, uh, what is that card? Lure of the Deep or... Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Lure of the Deep, I think. it And it, it draws a sea monster from your deck and discounts the cost of all sea monsters by one. Yeah, for the rest of the game. For the rest of the game. Let's yep. say you get that off on like turn two with your spell mana, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can hit your... Uh, let's say you hit a four mana, that four mana four four. Um, on turn and three. And bring that out on turn three. Let's say you hit that on turn three. Well, cool. That That's cute, right? But that's your only card. So if they trick that trade... And their thing stays with a barrier or a buff or an elixir, like an elixir of iron or a tough effect. Even if that thing, that other thing on their side of the board is close to dying, you now have to distribute your mana such that, okay, either I can slam another four drop, which is the only thing I have because these creatures, for the most part, are kind of expensive. um, Or I'm going to play something like cheap and defensive. Which can be exploited like the toad, like the tree toad looking thing. I can't remember that thorny tree, thorny something, thorny, thorny something. He's definitely thorny. He's really, yeah. really. And he looks thorny. like a toad, which is what I think of all the time. Yeah, I, I think uh, he actually might have toad in his name. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look him up because I think he. You might actually just be right. He might just be thorny toad. It's thorny, hard to, it's hard to memorize. Yeah, it's hard to memorize. It is Thorny Toad is literally his name. You had it is right. It really? Yep. Yeah. Thorny nice. Toad. You got it. You absolutely well, got it. 
Well, the Thorny Toad, uh, I mean, you can play that. and Yeah, it's going to advance your win condition to get you deep faster. It's going to help you heal, uh, but it can just get absolutely abused. It, it doesn't trade back. So you're either playing one thing while they're playing two or more things, and the things that they're playing are getting kept alive by tricks, which, by the way, you really can't afford to fit combat tricks into your deck. No, that, that, can't, that can't do that. Because you're devoting so hard to the to getting deep by the getting putting all these toss cards in, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't also put tricks in the deck, which is really the name of the game in Legends of Runeterra. In in a lot of in a lot of decks, anything that wants the board, you know, you typically want to put uh, tricks in. I tell you, Elixir of Iron has become like top tier in my estimation. I think Elixir of Iron is one of the strongest cards in the game, um, hmm. which is hilarious. I think because like I've just dunked on it so hard early on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I do think Elixir of Iron is stupid strong. I put at least two in every uh, Frailure deck I play. Um, but yeah, so like, and then, or the alternative being, I'm, I could go down the route, the other route, which is instead of playing, oh, I'm going to, you know, uh, play a Vile Feast and a Thorny Toad, which isn't really helping my board long term. It's just a, a standby. But if you stand by with that, what are you stalling towards? Dumping more big things while their board continues to get wider and wider and wider and you don't have enough blocks sure. you get whittled down or you keep slamming things one at a time one at a time one at a time and then eventually the same thing happens they draw the if they draw the right types of removal the right types of combat tricks they will snowball the board so either situation it's kind feels kind of like a lose-lose unless you get that god draw where you get like two of the lures off early yes and when that happens the deck just unlocks Oh yeah, two of those lures off. So so here's here's my closing thought just on Nautilus on the deep mechanic in general. So I think that in some ways, as I've been playing this, it's been a lot of fun. I do think it's strong right now. But I think it's kind of like the most every every new set of cards sort of has that deck that comes out that it's like everyone looks at it and says, Yeah, these cards go with these cards, they're clearly strong, play them together. And then, and, and so for the first several weeks of a new expansion of any game, it happened in Hearthstone, it happened in Tesla, it happened in every game that I've ever played. Um, eventually, the actually strong decks come out, right? And yeah. it's like, oh, this wasn't apparent when you first looked at it. But now it's clear that this has become very, very strong. And decks like the deep mechanic that are just like so very plain and easy to see tend to mm. fall off with the one in, in, you know what, this was the case even in Tesla. So for the people who've listened through Tesla, when the oblivion gates first came out, it was like, you put all the cards that have oblivion in them in the deck. And it was like, okay, yeah, that was strong for the first week. And then it was like, oh, this isn't actually any good. And then the combo deck came out, which was an entirely different beast. It didn't even play the way that invade was meant to be played. This mm. doesn't have the opportunity to be exploited in the same way that invade did. So I think that deep is going to kind of be like the flavor of the week for a while. And then eventually it's going to be seen. Oh, well, this actually has really big weaknesses to just about anybody who knows how to play around it. Um, I'm not going to say it's not going to be fun to play. I think it's going to remain fun. I don't know. I think once deep falls off, obviously Nautilus is terrible. Like if, if sea monsters are not good, Nautilus is yeah. entirely useless because yeah. he is only good, only good. If sea monsters and the deep mechanic are good. Um, now I will say this. I think that this is a particularly weak spot for it as well. 
because Demacia is so strong right now in this aggressive mid-range Demacia list that we see running around, absolutely punish Deep, absolutely punish it. If that wasn't the case, Deep is actually pretty good against some things, like a, uh, a control deck that isn't Ezreal Karma, right? A control deck that isn't Ezreal Karma. So that, that's really the problem, right? Ezreal Karma is a control deck that combos off and wins games just really easy and really consistently. Demacia is a high, high-pressure, aggressive mid-range list that also goes wide that this deck simply cannot deal with. Both of those things are the worst nightmare for the deep mechanic. Mm -hmm. If we have traditional grindier control decks, I think that deep works really well against them. It puts well, that's what I think giant deep is intended on. to be. Like that's what immediately where I where I took Nautilus is okay. I'm gonna have a grindy kind of board centric. Okay, the the time is now. I've achieved my objective. I'm putting. I put way less uh, toss cards in early game. You know, um, I wasn't running like those one drop tosses. I wasn't mm -hmm. running um, the uh, uh, I was only running like I wasn't running a full play set of like jettison. I think I was only running one or two. You know, I was trying to, you know, I got to had some vengeances in there. I had, uh, you know, the grasp, which I never ended up cutting because those things are just really strong. But grasp the undying, you know, we had those I had those kind of slower. I'm going to control the board. I'm going to make sure things don't get out of hand. and then we're going to flip the switch. It's going to be the situation where objective has been achieved. It is now time to leverage my superior mana uh, and win the game, right? Um, and also the deck draws quite a bit of cards. Like the, the oh, yeah. toss two draw two is great because it's very, takes you very four good. deeper and also nets you one card. Mm -hmm. um, That's a very strong card. Which yeah, actually might be a very strong card in other decks. It doesn't have to be in deep. That oh, it is. I I I can attest. It's a it's a it's a good card in other decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> gotten, oof. Yeah, that deck could be very that good. So I want to go. I want to. I don't want to like quit talking about Nautilus, but I do want to move on mm -hmm. to our question and answer because our first mm -hmm. question and answer from the Discord came through. Um, came through, and it it deals exactly with this so really quickly guys i just want to encourage you to go ahead and join our discord because we do have a question and answer page there and um and we want to encourage you to go and use that because we do go look at that every week and we pull some questions out of it to be able to discuss during the show if you don't like discord and you don't want to do it it's perfectly fine with me um you don't have to do that just email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com it's an old one it stands for elder scrolls legendscast at gmail.com but just email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com also, just really quickly, leave us a five-star rating and review over on iTunes, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. I don't have any new ones to read out this week, but we did have a handful of people leave us ratings without giving us a review. If you don't give us a review, I don't know who you are. So you can't just hit five stars. You also have to leave comments. You can just say, this is a review. That's fine. A rating and review really helps us, and it lets me know you're there, and it puts you in on your drawing for our May hat giveaway. So actually, I'm on stream right now, which isn't helpful to everybody, but on stream, I'm wearing my Legends cast hat. It is a sick embroidered flat brim, uh, snapback stretch fit hat. It is by far the nicest hat I have ever owned. So I love this hat. 
and I'm mailing out some to the people who have won hats in the past two months and one out to DBN um, this week. So uh, we got them in. They're amazing. They're fantastic. They're the highest quality hat I've ever owned. If you leave us a five-star rating and review, I will put you in the drawing to win a hat in the end at the end of the month of the end of the month of May. But let's go ahead and get over to our uh, podcast Q and A section. Now it's a party. Okay, so in our question and answer, we had this question come in, and I actually think that Jeff posted it in the Discord. I'm no, it wasn't. This was uh, Royal Shine. Royal Shine posted this in the Discord. Said, not exactly a question, but since you guys are doing a champion spotlight for Nautilus, um, I wanted to ask about cards that go great with him. Obviously, Deep goes well with him, but maybe different strategies um, that offer factions uh, from that other factions bring to the table. And I'll be honest, we addressed this a little bit already, basically saying you have to play him with Shadow Isles, and he is useless unless you're playing him um, with the deep mechanic and with sea monsters. I think that I don't, in my opinion, there, I haven't seen any reason at all to play Nautilus in any situation outside of wanting to put sea monsters back in your deck. Like refill your deck after you grinded it away. Mm -hmm. And then, so you grinded it away down to two or three cards or four cards or something. And, uh, and you want to just toss a dozen really powerful mana efficient, bodies back in your deck and he is really really great for that i don't know that he fits anywhere else uh, dbn i think that you're gonna have a similar opinion um but did you find any other like little creative things that you combined with this deck um well okay so i i think a lot of people are either going solo nautilus or with maokai okay yeah that's fair uh, and uh and so like i don't i'm on, i'm on record from last week saying i you know or maybe even yeah, it was last week. Yeah, last saying, week. I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced Maokai is the way to go with it. Now, I could be convinced that Maokai as a solo win condition could even potentially be better than Nautilus should it become efficient enough, right? But the um, Nautilus Maokai just seems like you're pulling yourself in, you know, too many directions. Um, and I, I'm also like, and this actually kind of, I want to, I also want to say it's kind of a closure on the last section, you know, um, just because. I have these opinions about it does not mean that they are fact. I think one of the things that like we have to remember is that people's experiences are different. There's also a certain margin of error when it comes to um, play style and preferences. So it could very well be that I just suck at playing uh, sea monsters. <laughs> like that's that's definitely a legitimate. And just had bad thing. experiences with it. Sure. Right. Or just really uh, just a string of really bad matchups or whatever. I do think my analysis of it is correct. Um, but I think there's also a a preference thing where, like, I mean, I've played uh, enough games to know that some decks that are subpar really click with me and I can overperform with them. I've also known that there have been top tier tournament level winning meta decks that I just don't like piloting. And when you're put in that situation where you're piloting something you don't like, you don't feel like you can explore it to its maximum capacity. Um, so just I'm just gonna throw that out there. If you're killing it with sea monsters, don't stop just because I started ragging on them, you know. And it also doesn't mean I think that your experiences with them are any less valid. Um, it's just that I have my analysis of the weaknesses of the archetype, and in my estimation, that is rendering it not as worth playing to me. Okay, sure. Um, but now that we're talking about trying to find other things, um, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate against both myself and, and you. 
um, and say that I actually don't think Shadow Wiles is completely necessary. Okay, go ahead. Um, I think it's I think it's the best way in the most obvious way for sure. Mostly because of that three mana three two with life steal that tosses three. Yeah, that card is really really strong. Yeah, that's the most important card for the toss mechanic out of Shadow Wiles. After that, Maokai again. I mean, maybe you use the the first. The problem with Maokai is actually the little saplings are pretty good, um, mm-hmm. but it's so low tempo in a deck that's already super low tempo, right? Um, and he's also pretty easy to kill. Uh, so you know, I, I I haven't been impressed with him whatsoever. Um, but um, I think there's also like you know the the issue of like you have got the thorny toad but the thorny toad has almost felt like a bit of a dud to me um just because it doesn't you know you may heal you and it may toss but it actually is just it's not getting trades with much no Um, it very rarely does much it doesn't do it it doesn't really secure much of the board it stalls that's all that it does right so here's my bit of devil's advocate one i think that Frail Yord could potentially go with deep because of the ability to um, even you can take those slots in the um, in the early game that you, is helping you get deep faster and replace them with some of Frail Yord's uh, really nice cheap uh, freeze effects mm-hmm. um, that can help prevent your opponent from tricking trades against your sea monsters when they do hit the board or preserve their life totals as they start trading. Um, and I think, and, and I may be just absolutely off my rocker here, but my, like, I think it might even be worth toying around with Brom because oh, Brom draws a lot of fire. Like there are, there are going to be cards that just end Brom right away. And that sucks. And, and, you know, but he's, he's comes down early, you know, um, you can try to protect him, but if you know, in many ways, like I think there's something to be said about using some of the champion slots for decoy things in the same way that Elise is kind of used in many ways as, you know, decks as a decoy, which actually brings me to my next point, which is I've been genuinely considering scrapping uh, a lot of the early game uh, toss help mm-hmm. and going with spiders and blending spiders with deep. Yeah. Um, because I think that, that solves a lot of your early game issues if you can start dropping frenzied skitters and elise and maybe even your brood awakening that that stops the oh my opponent's going wide and i don't have enough blockers uh although you're not necessarily getting the trades back um but it also kind of puts them on the back foot when you get elise on two um so to to go along with that, here's here's my thought is actually mm-hmm. a different breed of this deck that runs two Maokai um, as your one of your key win conditions. It runs a single Nautilus. It runs sea monsters, and then it run a lease and some spider package because the spiders mm-hmm. die a ton, which is going to level up your Maokai while he's in your deck. Then you're sure. running some toss mechanics because you're trying to get deep for your sea monsters. You're only running a Nautilus because if you go too late in the game, you want to refill your deck with some of your sea monsters that you ground through. And likely your Malachi is going to level up and you're going to be able to use them against your opponent because so many tokens and spiders are going to be dying because of Elise. And Elise allows you to compete with the early game a little bit better. So I think there actually is 
um, of a version of this that doesn't focus so much on the Nautilus Sea Monsters package, runs it because it wins the game in the end, but competes with the board with the Spiders package in the beginning, um, which of course levels up your Maokai and actually turns Maokai into more of the focus for the deck than it does Nautilus. That's what I've been sort of experimenting with. Now, that being said, my ace in the hole, which I'm surprised I've not seen anybody else do this yet. And that doesn't mean they're not. It just means that I personally have not seen it is atrocity. So my deep deck runs a couple copies of atrocity, which, of course, is a six mana kill one of your creatures to deal its damage to anything. Mm -hmm. So this allows me with on turn 10 with three spell mana to drop my Nautilus on the board. You go to vengeance it or you go to remove it and I deal 13 damage to your face with atrocity. Um, and what I have found is sometimes sea monsters can't end the game quite quickly enough because you're against your opponent's wide board. So you attack with everything and they let your 10 attack creature through because they're like, I can take 10 right now. It's not a big deal. I can take 10, I'll block everything else, and then I'll come back with a wider board. And then I attack for 10, and then atrocity my 10 to end the game. Um, I also think that Ladros runs really good in this deck. So Ladros, I think the Ladros atrocity can be, I think atrocity over Ladros, but I have been able to surprise my opponent with atrocity with sea monsters several times and has actually given me a use for Nautilus sometimes when they're just blocking it with 1-1 one, one spiders that I can't get 13 damage through. Well, now I can atrocity my Nautilus to get the 13 damage through. So that has been my little, like little hidden secret so far um, has been atrocity. And I'm telling you, I have won a lot of games off of atrocity. Now, obviously- That's pretty interesting. I might have to fit that one in. It's weak against similar stuff, right? If you go to atrocity and they will of Ionia, it's not good, but you hold atrocity for when they're trying to remove one of your big guys with something like Will of Ionia or Ruination or Vengeance, and then you sling them at their enemy's nexus and end the game that way, which basically yeah, I mean, means that's you... a great way to that's a great way to make that thirteen thirteen Nautilus useful. Yeah, so I think that uh, I think that Atrocity is a really fun card in this deck, and that is the main reason I've kept it in Shadow Isles. So I think there's some experimentation that could be done there. Yeah, for sure, and I mean, like the, the issue is just like. You have to find that balance with the package. Like, you know, you you have to, because I think the Maokai in many ways actually goes with other things easier than Nautilus will go with other things. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because you it gives you that, okay, it's not just toss, it's toss and killed things. That's way easier to work with. Nautilus is so explicit about here's, you know, hi, I'm not very one-dimensional. Very one-dimensional. Yeah, and, and you have to play these cards if you want me in the deck. Because otherwise, this deck is going to be stupid. Uh, so you have to play that level of, of, you know, put all those sea monsters in. And then, of course, if you're putting the sea monsters in, you also have to put in the lore. You know, mm -hmm. um, you probably want to put in, uh, you know, lots of toss cards, to toss, toss cards, right? Because those, otherwise, those sea monsters aren't good. Yeah. So it, it's it it really requires half of your deck or more, maybe even three quarters of your deck to be the same, no matter where you put it. So finding that. 15 card splash that 15 card splash really has to make a difference mm -hmm. now the other question that we got dbn and it's a big one so i wanted to get to it um and we you know we'll we'll answer it as quickly as we can but the question is how do you feel about the card stealing mechanic in tessel hand manipulation always or hand stealing felt bad like death priest uh razumdar some others 
So how uh, so does it feel bad in uh, Legends of Runeterra? Does anything need changed? And of course, we're talking about this uh, like two mana or three mana two two. When he plunders, he draws a card from your opponent's deck, and it reduces the cost of cards that you draw from your opponent's deck by one. There is the two mana draw a card from your deck opponent's deck. If you plunder, you get to draw two cards off your opponent's deck for two mana. Um, is it a problem? It doesn't feel good. Um, here's where I stand on this. Um, I think there's only one card that that uh, you know breaks the law for me. The only card that breaks the law for me is sleight of hand. That is the two um, mana one, right? No, that is the three mana one. Oh, three mana one. So it's a three mana slow spell. Plunder. Draw a random non-champion from the enemy hand. So it takes the card from their hand puts it in your hand. Mm. Um, here, here's where I stand with sleight of hand, guys. Um, it is not as bad as Death Priest. And, and anyone who knows me from Tessa Days knows that Death Priest was the number one awfulest card ever, in my opinion. <laughs> in it, all I, That's not an opinion. It's not an opinion that a lot of people shared. Uh, that's, that was my opinion. Um, but the problem with Death Priest and the reason why it was a problem for me was not because I hadn't played games where card steal or card discard, you know, hand destruction wasn't a thing. I actually play uh, a hand destruction deck occasionally in uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Um, it's been a while, but uh, and and it's not fun necessarily to play against, but fun and um, good. I think well, it's not even good. It's the idea that you weren't able to do anything about it. Right. Mm. And that's actually not the case with sleight of hand. The thing with sleight of hand is, and I've had, I've done, I've played some sleight of hand myself, actually. The thing with sleight of hand is that a, if the card that, if you know, there's a card in your hand, that's really, really big deal. You can always a deny this B if it's a spell, um, you can play it. Mm -hmm. You can play a fast or burst spell before it goes away. Um, so if there's a really an important card that you need, uh, you, you know, if it's not a creature, uh, you can play it. And if it's a champion, they can't pull it anyways, right? Yeah. So there's a little bit of defense mechanisms in here, which Hallowed Death Priest uh, didn't, didn't have. have. Um, I still don't... My issue with Sleight of Hand is actually not this, but it's the design direction. And I'm, I just would be concerned that this is going to attract the wrong type of fun. People that are enjoying playing this because it messes with your opponent because it makes the, your opponent feel bad. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate people's fun because I think I would ha really enjoy a deck that's all about plundering um, and getting cards that aren't yours. I really liked Rogue and Thief, uh, uh, or, uh, Rogue and Priest and the thieving mechanics in Hearthstone in the kind yeah. of middle days. You know, I really liked those effects, Thought Steel. Uh, you know, and then the the different Burgle cards and stuff. I liked Absolutely. doing that. It was fun to play with someone else's cards and play them with the same cards that you're playing. That's fun. Um, sleight of hand just is that idea of it taking it from your hand, and that's what I I take issue with. Again, not in this specific implementation, but if there was more of this, more of stealing from their hand, that can get a out of control really fast because then your opponent can't do anything. And the number one rule of making a good game, this goes for video games, you know, both card games and, and RPGs. It goes for running Dungeons and Dragons for your players. The number one rule is make sure players can do something. And anytime sure. they can't do something, it's very they're frustrating. not playing a game. 
right? And, and they're never going to want to come back if they don't get to do something. And this is the type of card that can sometimes, if there's enough support for it, uh, if it can be abused or exploited, um, in a, imagine a, a game where uh, somebody gets their entire hand stolen from them. Heck, even if they come back and win it, they will have such a bad taste in their mouth um, from the experience because A, they, you know, they didn't get to do anything. They didn't get to play their cards. They didn't get to play the game. But B, they, you know, they felt helpless. No one likes feeling helpless. Mm-hmm. No one. Um, and that is what a hand destruction style, you know, can, you know, degrade to if not monitored. Uh, and if the game can't facilitate the reason why it works okay in not, you know, in Legend of the Five Rings, it's actually not very strong, but because in Legend of the Five Rings, the draw mechanic is such that there are plenty of cards that can draw you more cards, and you can actually draw up to five cards per turn off of the base rules. Mm-hmm. It costs you something. It's like a resource trading system, but you can draw like a maximum of five cards every turn if you want. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, controls the situation a little bit better to facilitate those things existing. Um, so I have no issue with drawing from their deck at all. No yeah. issue. Now, I, I hated Cast into Time in Elder Scrolls Legends, which basically it was a card that allowed you to kill something of theirs. It was kind of like Vengeance for those who didn't play Tessel. It was like Vengeance, but it had a you know a bonus effect of it also would banish or obliterate, I guess, in this game. It would obliterate yeah. all copies in their deck of the same name. Yep. Now, I think you guys can see where that becomes a problem because it stopped being used as a good removal tool when you need a removal, and it became a, I'm going to neuter their game plan. If I know what they're playing, imagine if they if somebody is playing, um, you know, sea monsters, and the first time they play their sea monster that obliterates something, aka the best sea monster. Yes. You say, "I'm going to kill that sea monster. I'm going to kill the ones in your deck. I'm going to kill the ones in your hand." Actually, I don't know if Cast in Time killed their hand ones. I think it just killed their deck ones. Deck but ones. the point being, um, you so know, it, it would obliterate their game plan. Right. If Ezreal, if the first time they played an Ezreal, you said, "Ha! I kill this Ezreal and all future Ezreals." Yeah, that's not fun. That takes away their ability to play their own deck and their own game plan. Right. Um, And so I don't I hate targeted deck destruction, but general deck stealing like I'm taking the top card of their deck. I'm taking the top card of the deck. That is a random element that I have no issue with. And it starts kind of rewarding, you know, the counterplay of, well, crap, I mean, this is already done. I really need this card to win my game plan. I need to include all three copies of it. Sure. So, you know, because um, in case one gets stolen. So I've been on record before just disliking this, not because it's good, which is why I don't really have a problem with it. Like Burgle was my favorite thing in the whole in the <laughs> whole world. Rogue Burgle was my absolute favorite thing. I adored it. It was so much fun to win a game with Rogue Burgle. And it wasn't even stealing cards from your opponent's deck. It was just copying cards that were of your opponent's class. And it it was so much fun because you had to come with all these really creative pathways, right, to, to win yeah. the game that you would not have come up with before. And every game was so unique. You never knew what was going to happen. And that was what was so much fun about playing Burgle. In this case, I'm not going to tell you when I get Pilfered Goods played against me that I feel good about it. I don't feel good about it, but it, I don't feel bad about it because I feel like they're going to win because of it. I feel bad about it because I have some strange attachment to my deck. 
that says those are my cards. You can't have my cards. Don't you understand those? Are, which I think is psychological, right? I think that is something that you have to be careful of because you don't really want opponents consistently winning with the players. Here's the reality. If a card says draw cards from your opponent's deck or the card says draw cards from your deck, you always want draw cards from your deck. Always. Because here's what's happening. You're actually thinning your opponent's deck, which they want you to do anyway. You're getting cards that fit their game plan, not your game plan, which you don't even want in your hand. This is resource extension. Yes. Is it fun? Sure. And I will play with it because it will be fun. Is it good? It's not good, guys. It's not well, okay. good. Okay. 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 I have to push back on that a little bit. You think it's um, good? I don't think it's good. I think it can be good. Okay. Hear, hear me out here. Mm -hmm. um, is all of it good? No, there are some of these steel cards that aren't aren't very efficient. Pilfered Goods, I actually think is quite good um, because it's cheap, because you get two cards sure. for it. Like Sleight of Hand replaces itself with a card from their hand. So basically it's three mana, turn into one of their cards, or take one of their cards. Mm -hmm. So it, it removes resources from them, but it doesn't give you any, you don't, you don't net a card no, in you your don't. hand. Um, and I think Sleight of Hand is fun. And I think it can be put in a deck where you're doing lots and lots of stealing and then it becomes playable, right? A deck based around stealing and drawing from their, okay. their hand with like Twisted Fate related stuff. But um, I think Pilfered Goods is good because it gives you two cards. So you basically have two shots at getting something usable. One. Two, it's cheap enough that you can kind of fit it in with spell mana here and there as That's opposed true. to having to plan to play it. And lastly, because actually getting your opponent's cards is not always as bad as you would think. There are situations where it's not as good. I think mid-range decks you don't always like stealing from, right? Because you, you can get such a wide range of things. Oh, I could get their Scythria the Bold, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, or I could get their, um, you know, uh, what is that eight cost that rallies? You know, you, you can get, if I'm stealing from Demacia's deck, I could get, you know, the one drop, or I could get, uh, you know, an amazing five drop. You know, mm -hmm. it, 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 the spectrum varies. But when you play against aggro, you can know that if I steal from aggro, I'm going to get either a very cheap uh, creature, which I can immediately throw out there and probably block with, or I'm going to get damage to their face, reach. which usually their reach can usually be translated as removal. Mm. A lot like if you, sure. draw, oh, if yeah. you steal a get excited from them, now you kill their draven. In their deck, it was reach, and in but for you, it's the person trying to slow them down, it's control. And the same for control. If I'm playing a mid range deck with these pilfered goods, you know, and I'm you know playing against um, a Shadow Isles control deck, and I play this, I have a decent chance of getting a you know some of their removal, taking it away from them to stop them from killing my stuff, or uh, some resource extension, which almost all control has, mm -hmm. uh, or one of their big finishers like a Ladros. Right. Sure. Um, and so it's not necessarily um, it, it's really more that if I'm playing in a, in a mid range package, I'm getting a little bit of the way they want to play, which allows me to play their game. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah, it's, well, it, it adds that flexible element that if they're if their game plan is isolated, I'm only you know, aggro. I'm only control. Then, you know, what type you can generally guess what type of tools you're going to be getting. So I think, okay, so here's the one place that I think that this is good. And that is if there is a discard aggro centric deck that runs with Bilgewater, because you can often get resource extension. And then sometimes these cards that you pilfer off of them that you don't want, or you plunder off them that you don't want, you can discard. 
right? So if you plunder off a ruination, I don't need this. I can discard it and, you know, pump up my Draven. Um, potentially, mm-hmm. if you're playing Noxus discard, right, with with this, which is what you what you would be doing. I, I still stand by the fact that it's fun. It's just not better, right? It Well, it's not better than card draw for sure. Sure. What I'm saying is the pilfered goods, I could put pilfered goods in my deck or I could put the one that tosses two draws to for four. And I'm yeah, probably twice the mana. It's twice the mana, but this doesn't always draw to. There's times when it doesn't draw to. And um, there is times when you want to talk. Okay, uh, to be fair, it's not apples for apples, right? And I do think that out of all of the cards that steal cards off your opponent, Pilfered Goods is probably maybe the most playable. Um, I don't, I just don't, right? I, I just want to go back to the fact that there's, there's this common illusion, right? That the problem is that there's this common mindset that says if you steal stuff from my deck, that's unfair, and your deck's oh, better than yeah. my deck. And I just want to be clear that generally speaking. Generally, not always, but generally speaking, stealing your opponent's game plan over playing your own game plan is worse. Generally yeah, it speaking, just, it it all comes down to to how mana and card efficient the card is. That's all it comes down to in my mind, because and and that's the thing that makes the black water smuggler black market mm-hmm. dealer something yeah, yeah, yeah. two mana two two that that can plunder draw you a card from their deck and will discount all the cards you steal from them by one that enables that makes those cards now that makes that strategy where before yeah it probably would be better as a different card but now that is a not a card you can control but it's cheaper than it would be on average and because it's in their deck you can assume it has a purpose you know that was always the issue with rogue you know, in Hearthstone, you would yeah. pull a random card that no one plays because Hearthstone had dead cards. Hearthstone oh, had pack filler cards, uh-huh. a lot of filler, right? You can you can assume that you will never pull a filler card. It may not fit what you want to do at that time, but it has a purpose in their deck. Therefore, it is a valuable card, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I totally see what you're saying. I'm not saying a, a draw a steel deck is ever going to be top tier, but I can see a steel deck being good, being viable on the ladder. Um, and I think Pilfer Goods is really viable by itself. I'm really high on Pilfer Goods, by the way. Hmm. Um, that card has me amped up. I, I've been playing it in mid-range, uh, Freljord and uh, Bilgewater, and it's been like game winner level. Hmm. You know, And sometimes it'll high roll and get you a Commander Ladros. Other times, yeah, it might low roll and get you a one drop. But if you get that one drop, you slam it on the board, that's a blocker. It's still, you're still netting a card. You know, sure, it's resource. Um, it's it's cheap resource it's so extension. Cheap. It, that it's that really is the big cheap. thing. If this was a three mana card, it would not be as good. But it is a cheap two right. mana burst. That's the other thing. It's two mana burst, draw two usually. It is it is yeah. cheap, the quick burst, resource the burst extension. burst is super relevant. It is very, very relevant. Yeah, because you could draw two up your opponent's deck and draw something that you can respond to what they're doing with right then and there. Um, right. So the, the question Jeff really asked, because this is Jeff asking it, is does anything need to be changed? Jeff, my answer is no. And if you're like me and you get bent out of shape over people taking your own cards, don't get too worked up. It's oftentimes not better for them to be doing that. What's your final yeah, answer I'm- to the question? Does anything need to be changed? Oh, does anything need to change? No, no. I, I do want to kind of agree with you on the point that, like, um, I think everybody. This is my opinion. 
uh, I think there's that protectivity of a deck, which I think often comes from, uh, I think it's more common in players who play physical card games. Sure. Because it's your deck. Don't touch my stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Everyone's got that, you know, but I mean, seriously, you know, and, and there's stories of people stealing cards, you know, people, you know, mess with other people's cards. Heck, I sometimes I just don't want somebody's grimy hands on my cards. Sure. You know, I don't know if they've been eating Cheetos or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, hey, man, your hands are covered in gravy. <laughs> don't touch my deck. <laughs> like, don't touch my deck. Yeah. Right. And so like, that's a very. So I, I think there's a little bit of that that seeps through. Um but the way I've always viewed my deck, or at least actually, maybe not, definitely not always, over the last three to four years, I've always viewed my deck as um, I have the information of what I'm likely to pull, but nothing in there, I, I don't plan for any card in there until it's in my hand, right? And you kind of break that rule when you play combo because you plan, you're, you're following a script. I've talked about this before. Combo typically follows a script, mm-hmm. right? And that include that script includes cards that you know that eventually you're going to get. But when you play, it comes to any other play style, control anything, it's Schrodinger's deck. Okay, you know there there could be something there, but there there might not be something there, right? And you cannot count on well, I know I must draw this thing in most play styles. Most play styles, you have what's you have redundancy. The idea that if not this card, another card. If not that card, a different card. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't matter which one you get. You know, you just got to get something. Right. And sometimes, it, yeah, sometimes it's like, well, crap, if they hadn't have stolen my uh, my third copy of Elise, then maybe I could have come back from this game. That will happen. But that will happen whether they stole it or whether you didn't draw it. It doesn't Absolutely. matter. You yeah. didn't get it in your hand either way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's uh, that's always how I think about it. It's a Schrodinger's deck. Nothing is that top deck could be any card. Even if I find out what that top card was, it doesn't matter. It, it was another card. It, it doesn't actually physically exist. It's digital. It's just when I need to draw a card, it'll randomly pick one. And there it is. Yeah. You know, uh, and so I just just try not to think of it as this is mine. Think of it as, you know, I'm pulling from this pool, but but none of it is really there. Only thing that matters is what's in my hand and what's on the board and what I can control. Yeah. Um. Yep, yeah, that, that's, and that's, that's not always easy. That's not always easy for people to break down, and it's not easy for me. Sometimes I get, I get protect, <laughs> I get protective, man. I get protective. This is my cards. Come on, this is my cards. Don't touch those cards. Yeah. Come on, get your gravy hands off of them, which oh, is definitely yeah. the title for this episode. <laughs> that's um, what it comes from. I'm telling you, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what the, that's what the, yeah, that, that is you, what it comes from, man. I got these you, things you double <laughs> sleeved, but do not touch my cards. <laughs> you have not showered. Come on, right? You got all these greasy nerds at a at a card shop, and you're like. Mm-mm. Like, I'm willing to sit across from you, man, but don't touch my stuff. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> don't breathe on my neck. Don't come up behind me and look in my hand and breathe on my neck and don't touch my stuff. Uh, yeah, don't touch my stuff. Plain and simple. I don't want your arm cheese on my card carrying bag. I don't want any of your stuff. Come on now. <laughs> oh man okay hey we've been at this for a while let's 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 uh let's get out of here um dbn this has been awesome it's been a, a great conversation we've looked thoroughly at nautilus we've looked at the deep mechanic um we've looked at the steel things mechanic it's been a great episode um but uh tell us man you're you're putting out youtube videos more regularly now uh how can people find you and get connected to you yeah i'm just trying to get back into it while i have the time and i'm actually super excited about making all sorts of crazy decks and for, for the record um i never claim that these are going to be top tier amazing super duper ladder decks because that's not how i roll all right i play what's fun for me at the moment and i try to make it as competitive as possible um but uh the, it you know don't come to me if you want meta uh, that's just not my that's not my jam that's not my bag baby 
Um, but uh, you can check me out on Dead Broke Nerd on YouTube. Um, and I do think the decks I put on there are a lot of fun and, and can win games. I won't post a deck if I don't think it can't win. Um, I've kind of given you guys an insight earlier in the episode of my philosophy that it, you know, any given deck that I make, even if it's off meta and experimental, it has to do something better than, um, you know, one of its contemporaries. And so that's, that's the philosophy I follow for deck building. And hopefully you guys will find something over there you'll enjoy. Um, and if you have ideas for it, you can always comment and, you know, if you have a, you know, a deck idea or something, or there's a deck or champion or something you want me to make a video on, uh, I'm always happy to take requests. <laughs> hmm. Okay, yeah, that's great. Um, so find him at uh, Deadbrook Nerd on YouTube. You can find me at twitch.tv slash the lift. I stream a couple of nights a week, sometimes Runeterra, sometimes DD, sometimes this podcast. So twitch.tv slash the lift. Um, I also oh come and join our Discord, which I already said. So come and join the Discord. And then I do have a closing. Wait, do I have a closing thought? I had a closing thought for oh yes, I have a closing thought. <laughs> Here's my closing thought. My closing thought is this. And I thought I was already perfect. Life is better with other people. At times, oh, and it, it's a twofold closing thought. Life is better lived with other people. And don't assume what you sort of uh, resolved about the, the reality of the world, what you discovered about the reality of the world as a child remains true for your life today. So, in culture and in our world, we often have people who live sort of as lone wolves. They only depend on themselves. They don't need anybody else. And that allows them to be a jerk to everybody else because they have resolved to believe that life is lived better with no one else. But we are communal beings that do actually need one another and we actually depend on one another. And whether you think you're a lone wolf or not doesn't really matter. You do depend on other people every single day. If you're playing this game, you are depending on somebody else to develop the game so that you can play the game. You're depending on me to have a microphone to be able to produce this podcast so that you can listen to it. So I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm telling you that this, this mentality that sometimes we get that we can do life alone, that we should do life alone is the wrong mentality to have. And sometimes when we were younger, this is a twofold words of wisdom here. Sometimes when we are younger, we have experiences and then we decide something about the world when we have very little information about the world. And then we decide that we're going to live this way for the rest of our lives and we never rethink it, even when we acquire new information about the world. So in the concept of isolation, for example, I was bullied whenever I was in middle school. Therefore, life is easier without friends because I'm not betrayed by them and not bullied by people. I will therefore live alone. And so we are 30 and living alone still in isolation, even though we have learned new things about the world throughout middle school, high school, college, and the remainder of our life. But we don't allow that new information to come in because we never process the decisions that we made at an age when we had very flawed information about the world. And so take time to actually meditate on, contemplate, and look back on your life and think, why is it that I do the things that I do? So for example, for me, in second and third grade, my mother was horribly sick and was going to die. And so I became obsessed with that concept, the concept of death. There was a lot of uncertainty. I became hyper, hyper controlling because my life was entirely out of control. 
And it was not until I graduated from high school that I looked back on my life and realized that I don't actually have to control everything in life. And it's actually really unhealthy for me to control everything in my life. But as a third grader with limited information about the world, I had resolved to control everything about my life because my life seemed out of control. And it had caused horrific problems for me. And I had to turn around and give that up. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't take time to look back on my life, reflect and contemplate why it is that I live the way that I do. So if you have better information about the world and it helps you to live a better life, do it. Do not stay resolved to just stay in this narrow lane that you decided to stay in when you were 12 years old for no reason whatsoever. It's not healthy and it's not helpful. Be, I think that I can't remember the guy who said it. There's a quote though that says the unexamined life is not worth living. And I believe that is very true. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our world that have never examined their life and they, they live a life that is driven by bad information and poor assumptions from a time in their life when they had limited information about how the world worked. And so examine your life and change things that need to be changed. Change is a good thing. Mm-hmm. There. I, 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 there. There's my, that was longer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that was longer than I thought it was going to be. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. DBN, do you have anything, uh, last things to say or share before we head out? Uh, nope. I'm just, I'm, you know, I think I did a lot of, uh, you know, kind of uh, critique of the game today and some of the cards in it, but uh, I'm having so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please don't misunderstand our not loving thinking Nautilus is the best thing on earth for not loving this game because we are playing it every single day right now and we absolutely love this game and we think they're doing a tremendous job. There is going to be days where episodes where we're like a little bit more critical of certain aspects of it in, in, weeks where we're really high on it but that's going to be the case with any game and if you are a critical thinker that will be the case for you as well yeah yeah and i just think i don't think i don't think i'm possible of not uh you know running through my genuine thoughts like i I mean one thing i can assure you of guys as listeners i'm never going to bs you and run a company line for riot (laughs) that's never on the table yeah some of my least favorite podcasts uh, i listen to a lot of board game podcasts some of my least favorite ones are the ones where every review is positive because then i don't know if any review is positive right yeah um you're gonna get it you're gonna get it for real from us up in here for real Mm -hmm. super for real (laughs) super for real okay guys that's gonna do it for episode 14 we're a little over on time but that's okay thank you so much for tuning in for this episode and be sure to come back next week thanks for listening to legends cast this episode was made possible by listeners like you if you want to become a supporter of the show visit patreon.com legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts